The Word of God is so amazing, and it's never ceased to amaze me and teach me and grow me. No matter how many times you look at the Word of God, no matter how many times you read a passage or a chapter, God always opens my eyes. I can speak for myself. He has always opened and continues to open me up to, to, to enrich my life, to give me a deeper insight into the things of God. God has revealed to us all that is there in His Word. He's not going to add to His Word. He's not going to take away from His Word. But His Word itself is revelation to us, to our spirit, to grow us, to nourish us. Not to give us any new doctrine, but to give us that which has been established and to expand our insight into it so that we may grow in our love of God and our love for one another. Amen? We're looking tonight in the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 23. As we spoke on Sunday, we said that that Jesus, on Palm Sunday, that Jesus was riding on a donkey into Jerusalem. You remember, we spoke of that. We spoke of Jesus leaving His throne of glory with Father God. And we gave you many scriptures, many verses, where it says that He rode upon the clouds of heaven. He desired, He chose to come down, to take on flesh, and to walk among us, to touch us. It's one thing to tell someone to do something. But Jesus came down. He looked us in the eye. He touched us. He spoke words of love and compassion to us. He made himself known that he was a God who cared about us individually. He touched people. He whispered hope into their ear. He spoke life into their bodies and his life into their spirit. And it says that he rode that donkey into Jerusalem, knowing that he was going somewhere where they knew not. They thought he was going in to overthrow the the government of Rome. But he was going in to Jerusalem to make peace between you and God. Meaning me and God. Because the Bible says that we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. There was no way we could offer up enough sacrifices. There was no amount of good deeds we could have done to earn peace with God, to get right with Father God. That's why the Son of God came down, sat on a donkey, and came into Jerusalem. He knew what his mission was. He knew what he set his face to do. The Bible said he set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem. Jesus was on a mission to save you, to save me, to rescue us, to deliver us, and to redeem us. And we know that the religious leaders got him, falsely accused him, sent him to Pilate and hurried and back to Pilate and And Pilate tried to wash his hands of it. He said, this man is innocent. But they said all the more, crucify him. Remember? Even Pilate's wife, right? They all, they knew he was innocent. But the religious leaders kept yelling, crucify him, crucify him. If Jesus wanted to get himself free, he would have just spoke the word. And Pilate and his castle would have crumbled. 
every one of those religious leaders would have, would have, would have been just dust on the face of the earth. But Jesus knew what he was about to go through. And he willingly allowed himself to go through it because he was redeeming us, paying a price that you and I could never pay. Verse number 26. And when they led him away, they laid hold of one Simon Cyrene coming from the country and placed on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. And there were following him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting him. People were crying and weeping because they knew that, especially the women, women are no relationships. Women, you know, men know it too, but women know when someone is, is truly has a, a sincere a sincerity in their heart. And they saw Jesus touching lives, raising the widow's son and, and making the blind to see, the lame to walk. They knew that he was a, a man who touched lives and transformed lives and they were weeping. Here was a good man. There was going a good man who did not deserve to be where he was. And there were following him a great multitude of the people of the woman who were mourning and lamenting him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nurse. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills cover us. You see, Jesus was saying to the woman, He's saying, Don't weep for me. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is able to take care of Himself. He is the warrior of all warriors. Jesus knew that he was going to win the victory. Jesus knew he was more than a conqueror. Jesus knew death was not going to hold him. Jesus knew that the devil was not about to rule over his life. But Jesus looked at those who were weeping and he says, Don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. We live in a world that is not getting better, it's getting worse. From time, from, from the beginning, from the day that Adam and Eve fell out of that garden. Because they chose, Adam and Eve chose to know what is evil, what is wicked, what is pain and what is suffering. And from the day that they chose to know that, God began to allow the devil to move in the, in the lives of men. And he, he, and, and we begin to see the, the pain and the suffering, the agony, the torment, the sorrows, that sin, wickedness, choosing not to live for God, but choosing to fight against God, we see the sorrows that it brings upon mankind, doesn't it? And Jesus says, things are not going to get better here. He's saying, you need to weep for yourselves and for your children. In other words, we need to look to ourselves and, and to our household, to our families, to our wives, to our husbands, our sons and daughters. And, and we need to understand that we are in the midst of a struggle here. We are in the midst of a battle. We are in the midst of a spiritual war that is going to be tough. Tell me it's easy to live life. Can anybody in here say it's real easy to live? Oh, I could go through life, no problem. 
You wouldn't be telling the truth because we all face struggles. We all face mountains and walls and warriors and, and things that try to oppress us and, and things that try to break our hearts and wound us and hurt us and lie to us and deceive us. We've all faced struggles in life. But Jesus said we can be in him. We can be in our more than conquerors. But we will face battles. We will face The enemy will come to our face. The enemy will knock on your door. The enemy will get in your pathway. And there's a battle to be fought, a war to be won. And it's a daily struggle. We don't win a battle and a victory today and say, Woohoo, the war is over. Just like, just like you see in the world today. The enemy is constantly working and strategizing ways to come against us. And so Jesus says to them, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. And he's saying, because here he is, the Lord of glory, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, come from heaven, becoming, taking on flesh, walking amongst the people and the religious leaders. The people love Jesus. The Romans, they didn't care, they did, but they were listening and they heard. But the religious leaders were the ones that fought him, despised him. The religious leaders are the ones that, 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 that plotted to kill him. It wasn't the Romans. Pilate didn't want to kill. Herod didn't care. It was the religious leaders who fought hard against Jesus to crucify him. They didn't want to see him setting captives free. They despise the fact that on a Sabbath day, he healed a man. And we have religious leaders in the world today that don't want to see people set free. Do not want to see people healed and raised. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it was those religious leaders. But Jesus says there's going to begin a day. There's a day coming. When they will say, and he's not talking about unbelievers. He's not talking about the Romans. He's talking about the religious leaders. There's a day coming when they're going to see the Son of Man coming again on clouds and they're going to say to themselves, cover us. Mountains, cover us. Fall on us. Hills, cover us. He says, for if they do these things in the green tree, what will happen in the dry? The green tree, meaning Jesus, the Son of God, walking among them, speaking to them. He's speaking words of life, words of truth to them. He's showing them through signs and wonders that only God who is in heaven can do this. Only God can raise a man from the dead. Only God could give sight to a man born blind. Only God can heal a woman who was sick for 28 years, 18 years, whatever. There's a list goes on and on and on. Only God could do this. And Jesus said, if they do this, if they rise up against the truth, when I'm speaking the truth, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If they rose up against Jesus, the Jesus is life. Jesus, it, it, out of him is, comes fruit, fruitfulness, truth, springs of living water. If they come against him while he's in their midst, face to face, how much more when he's taken out of the picture, when there's just you and I left, how much more are they going to come against us? 
How much more are they going to get in your face? Just think, if they crucified Christ, Jesus said, Jesus himself told us, if they hated me, how much more are they going to hate you? You're not going to be loved as you walk and follow Jesus. I mean, your brother, hopefully, your brothers and sisters in the Lord are going to love you, hopefully. That's the way it ought to be. That's the way the Word of God said. This is how they'll know that you're, you're my disciples, that you love one another. But you are going to get opposition from this world. And the verse that he, he's, what he's quoting here is, was said in Hosea. Israel rebelled. They were, they were backslidden from the Lord. And if you go with me, I just want you to look at Hosea. Hosea chapter 10, verse 8. Also the high places of Avon, the sin of Israel shall be destroyed. The thorn and the thistle shall grow on the altars. They shall say to the mountains, cover us, and to the hills, fall on us. Where was Jesus saying this? Hosea wrote this way back. And Jesus is is quoting what he's saying here. Even in the book, stay here, Lindsay, in the book of Revelation, it tells us in chapter number 6, it says when he comes again, when the Lord appears in glory to come again, it says the people are going to cry out and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. And in Revelation 9, 6, it says, in those days men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die from death, will flee from them. Jesus is saying there's a day coming when they're going to see the one that they crucified, the one that they mocked, the one that they thought they got rid of, they're going to see him coming again on a cloud of glory. And when they're going to know then, no doubt, there's going to be no question, there won't be, uh, there won't be any second thoughts. They're going to see him and he's going to say, the Son of Man has come when he's, and we, we know his wrath is on us. Hide us mountains, hide us rocks, cover us, and there's no way. You can't hide from the Lord. See, the Lord came to save them. The Lord came to man with truth. But they rejected him. They mocked him. They spit in his face. They whipped him. And he allowed it. What would you do if someone spit in your face? I'm not saying you just stand there and let them do that. But Jesus, Jesus, if he responded, he could have we, we, would have, we would have perished. If Jesus risen up and smote them all and never went to the cavalry, we would, be, we would be fighting for our own salvation and we would never be able to attain it. And so the Lord had to endure it. He had to endure things you and I would never stand for. Someone spits in your face and calls you names and mocks you. Don't tell me you're not going to rise up and try to fight back. Don't tell me you're just going to stand there and, and say, okay, do whatever you want. No, you're not. There's going to come a point when you'll rise up and say, enough. But Jesus allowed it because he was saving. He was in the process of saving you and me. And so he knew he had to and take it. He had to endure it. And so there he was. But he said, there's a day coming. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. The prophet goes on to say, Hosea goes on to say, show, show for yourselves righteousness and reap in mercy. Break your fallow ground, for it is time to seek 
the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. The Lord, and even in Hosea, he's saying it's time to seek righteousness, to do what is right. How do we seek righteousness? The Lord, the Bible tells us we have to take on the righteousness of Christ. The only way we could do it is because Jesus chose to get on that donkey, ride into Jerusalem, go through false mockeries and trials, and be crucified. Through the crucifixion, as a result of that, we are able, then he is able to give to us his robe of righteousness that covers us. The Bible says God gives us a garment of salvation and a robe of righteousness. That we cannot buy in Walmart. We can't go to the dollar store. We can't go to Kmart. We can't go to the mall and say, give me a robe of righteousness. We need to go to the Lord, Jesus Christ, and say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you chose to go to Calvary's cross and die on that cross in my place. Thank you for your righteousness for me. I receive your mercy. I receive your forgiveness and your love. Clothe me in your righteousness, Lord. Hosea says, says, seek, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap mercy. You see, he says, till. He says to them at that time, try and do right. Try to do the right thing. Try to have mercy. Try to sow these things because as you sow, the Bible says, what a man reaps, that will he sow. And there he was saying to them, sow in righteousness. Try to do good. Try to have mercy. But he says, look what he says. Till, till, he says, till he comes. Who? Till the Lamb of God, till Jesus, the Savior and the Lord, till he comes and rains righteousness on you. We can't obtain it on our own. Hosea was saying right now, do the best you can till he comes, till the Savior comes. Then he will rain like rain. You can't get out of the rain. Rain comes on you. It's there. Just, just open, just get wet. Take on the righteousness of Christ. It's free. And so Hosea even then says, till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Hosea 11.7 My people are bent on backsliding from me. Though they call to the Most High, none exalt him. None exalt him. What were the religious leaders doing? They were crying, crucify him. Crucify him. And they they thought that they were exalting the Most High. But none of them were calling on the name. None of them were looking to Jesus. There he was. The Son of God. He was God. They were bent on doing their own thing. We're not going to go through Hosea, but he goes on to say in Hosea, my help is from you. I will come and help you and deliver you and save you. He says, I will be your king and I will save you. Hosea go, Hosea 13, 14. Put that up here, Lindsay. Hosea 13, 14. I will ransom I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from the power of the grave. The Lord, speaking way back, had a plan and a purpose. He had a plan of salvation to save you. And He says, I will ransom you. I will redeem you from the power of the grave. 
How was God going to work that out? How was God going to redeem us and save us from the power of the grave? Jesus, the living Son of God, the Lamb of God, gave himself, tasted of death, that you and I, it says, that we may not taste death. We'll pass through death because Jesus tasted death for us all. And we know it. He went down and he took the keys of life and death from the devil. And now Jesus, when we leave this life, we pass through a doorway. You don't get sidetracked to purgatory. You go through a doorway into the kingdom of God, to the presence of the Lord. In the blink, in the twinkling of an eye, from living in this life, you're face to face with the Lord. The power of the grave cannot hold you. It could not hold him. Come back on Sunday. The power of the grave could not hold him. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Jesus was facing this brutality because he was fulfilling the will of Father God. Jesus said, Father, thy will be done. Nevertheless, Let your will be done. Crying out in the garden. Is there any other way, Father? Is there any other way? Nevertheless, your will be done. As he sweat drops of blood in the garden. Is there any other way to redeem your people from the grave and from the power of death? Any other way? Father says no. And Jesus says, so be it. I'll give myself to the torturers. I give myself to the mockers. I'll give myself to those who are going to brutalize me that your people may be saved. Redeemed from the death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. Meaning, O death, as it says in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, it says it here. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? You see, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God tells us He was going to conquer the grave, conquer the power that, that, that would, that was able to hold us because of our sinfulness. But when Jesus redeemed us, when he went to Calvary, he was able to overcome and destroy that power that was able to hold us. Now death cannot hold us. Oh, death, where is thy victory? Oh, death, where is thy sting? Because the Lamb of God has purchased my redemption. He has redeemed me from the, from hell. Luke chapter 23 verse 32. And two others also who were criminals were being led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. The mercy of the Lord, the mercy and the love and the kindness of God, For Christ to ask for forgiveness for those who were deliberately and willingly, they made a choice to crucify him. And they were taking, listen, they were taking pleasure. Is this still on? 
They were taking pleasure and delight in what they were doing. And yet Jesus said, Father, forgive them. What a merciful God. Jesus could have said, now let's see. Let's find everyone who's doing good in the world and we'll save them. And everybody else will just fry right now. We'll put them in a pan and cook them up. Open the trap door, send them right down, straight to hell. The heart of the Lord is that none perish. That no man perish, but every man have an opportunity to call on the name of the Lord that they may be saved. That every man may look at the Lamb of God. Look at the cross of Christ and say, Father, thank you for your Son who you gave as a sacrifice for me. Thank you, Lord. We have a choice. Life is choices, decisions that we all have made. We were made with a will to free to be choice makers. We were not made to be robots led around. Turn left, turn right, rather left. What good? Who wants robots? Do you want a robotic wife or robotic husband? Well, don't answer that. No, I better not ask that question. Push the button, do this, do that. But we want someone who wants to love us because they choose to love us. Because they see something in us that that makes them want to say, I love you, I want to be with you. And that's the Lord's desire. That we look upon Him And say, Lord, I see mercy, I see love, I see true compassion, I see what I see, I want you. I choose to love you because you are a merciful God, a loving, a kind, a good God, a forgiving God. And when you choose to love the Lord, oh, the Lord rushes upon you and embraces you and cleanses you, forgives you. When we say, Lord, forgive me, Our sins, the Bible says we all, we all have sinned. I've met people who say, I don't sin, I'm a good man. I've never sinned, I'm a good man. Uh, The Bible says every man has sinned. Every man. But Jesus made a way for every man, every woman to come and find forgiveness. But we must choose it. In that day, there were many who chose to mock him. And there were those who chose to follow him, to weep over him. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among them. And the people stood by, looking on. And even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, he saved others. They acknowledged, by their own words, they were acknowledging that he was a savior. They acknowledged the fact that Jesus saved others. Saved them from what? Save them from sickness, save them from, from destruction, save them from a multitude, a variety of things, didn't he? You look through the word of God. They acknowledge, the religious leaders acknowledge that he was able, he had the power to save others. Now they said, if you can say you've been saving others, now save yourself. Little did they know that he was about to save all who would call upon his name. He wasn't concerned about himself. We're concerned sometimes about us, about me. Nobody in here is like that, but sometimes we're concerned about us. And we, we don't, we're not really caring about too much about others. But Jesus wasn't concerned about himself. He was concerned about you. He was concerned about you. Concerned about me. And so he went on. 
he continued on because he wasn't about to save himself. He knew he was the Savior, but he knew that he was going to save multitudes. Multitudes, he would say, that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I think if they knew that, they would say, don't put him up there. Because once it was done, whoever calls, whosoever calls upon the name, whosoever calls, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. They were sneering at him. They said, if this is the Christ of God, meaning the anointed of God, meaning the, the Messiah, his chosen one, they knew what he was saying. They knew what people were saying, that he was the Messiah, the Savior sent by God, the anointed come from heaven to redeem man. They knew what he was teaching. They knew what was being said about him. They weren't ignorant of it. They knew. They chose not to believe it. Do you choose to believe the word of the Lord? That he is the Messiah, that he is the Christ, that he is the Son of God? Blessed are you if you choose to believe that. Blessed are you. This is the Christ, the Son, and the soldiers mocked him, coming to him offering sour wine and saying, If you are the King of the Jews, save yourself. And now there was also an inscription above him, This is the King of the, this is the King of the Jews. You know, in other portions of the scripture, in, in Matthew chapter, stay here, Lindsay, but in Matthew chapter 27, where they were mocking him, they says, come down from the cross and we will believe. They wanted to see yet another, another thing. Come down from the cross and we will believe. So Jesus tells us, the Bible tells us, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus worked Enough signs and wonders in their presence and in their midst. And they knew it. They declared, you saved others. We've seen you work miracles. But they said, still, let us see yet one more thing. And then maybe we'll believe. But Jesus says, no, faith comes by hearing. You've heard the word of God. Now choose. Do you want to believe it? Do you want to receive it? We can't be looking as believers for another miracle, another... I mean, I believe God is a God of miracles. He can work whatever he wants today. And I pray over people believing God for healing, believing for miracles. I believe that. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I pray that people who sit and hear the word of God, that faith will come to them by hearing. As they hear the word of God, they will give their hearts and lives to the Lord. That in hearing the word of God, their faith will grow. Their fire will be pumped up to burn even brighter. That's the most important thing. It's not coming to a theater to see another spectacular event. It's coming to the house of the Lord to hear the word of God that is life, that is living, that transforms us from the inside. And when the word of God is in you, I'm telling you, it will deliver you from anything and everything. It is the word of God in you that will bring forth and water your your very spirit and soul and, and bring forth healing. We need to look inward. 
into ourselves. If we believe the Lord's word, if we believe he is my healer, if I believe inside here that he is my deliverer, my savior, he is able to guide me and see me through. God works that miracle working power within you. Yes, you may see someone healed, but don't go looking for that to believe. If you're looking for a sign and wonder to believe, you're, you're, you're out of position. You're, you're out of alignment. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, by believing the Word of God. And if we believe the Word of God, it, w- it will, it will transform and change our lives. It will. The Word of God is breathing. It's alive. It's powerful. And some of the criminals hanging there were hurling abuse at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. And the other answered at rebuking him and said, do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. We, every one of us, before we acknowledged Christ, every one of us should have been hanging on a cross, being crucified for our sins. But Christ, he says, and indeed, but he said, he said, but this man has done nothing wrong. That one thief acknowledged Jesus, that he was an innocent man, that he, but we deserved. And that's where it comes to. When we come to Calvary's cross, we got to come with that, with that confession. Lord, I deserve to be punished. I'm a sinner. But you, Lord Jesus, you don't deserve this. But then acknowledging that Jesus went there to take my place, then to say, thank you, Jesus, for taking my place because I deserve to be there. And Jesus turned to that man and he says, Jesus, remember we when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today, today you will be with me in paradise. Oh, I'm telling you, that thief had to rejoice in his heart. He knew that that life was over. But here's the Jesus, the living Son of God, offering this man hope that today, not tomorrow, today, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Instantaneous. He's not a God of tomorrow, although he is. He's the, he's, he's the beginning and the end, first and the last. But Jesus says, today, believe in me today, come to me today, and today I'll work in your life. Today I'll take you with me. Today you'll, today, now faith is, now faith is. If we believe today, we don't have to wait till tomorrow. Jesus comes into our heart and he rises up within us and he gives us what we need for right now. That thief didn't need to hear, tomorrow you'll be with me in paradise. That thief needed to hear, today you'll be with me in paradise. How many times we've heard that? Uh, we'll take care of this tomorrow and Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. How many times tomorrow never comes? Tomorrow. Honey, I'll take care of that tomorrow. Don't worry about a thing. (laughs) Right. Jesus is the God of the now, of today. And so he went to Calvary's cross. 
And now it was about the sixth hour, and darkness fell on the whole land until the ninth hour. The sun being obscured, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the multitudes who came together for the spectacle, when they observed what happened, began to return, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and all women who accompanied him from Galilee were standing at a distance seeing these things. They began to realize this wasn't a man. He was more than a man. He truly was the Son of God to come to save us and redeem us. And so as we remember that Jesus came willingly to die on Calvary's cross in our place, to take away our sins, and today, now, to come into our lives to be our help, our Savior, our Redeemer. What do you need from the Lord today? Don't answer me, but whatever you need. Every one of us has a different need, don't we? But Jesus says today, if we ask Christ to come into our situation, into our circumstance, into our trouble, into our problem, into in, to give us guidance, whatever it is, if we ask him now to come, he comes. Today, I will be your help. Today, I will come and be your Savior, your Redeemer, your Lord. Whatever it is you need, but the choice is ours. Call upon Him. We don't want to be like the mockers. I don't believe the Lord could do that. I don't believe the Lord really wants to help me here. It's up to me. Don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let the devil lie to you. It's not up to you. We've got to make choices. If we need a job, we just can't say, okay, Jesus, come and and let some people knock on my door and give me a job. No, we've got to get out and go and go make application and pray, Lord, where where's where's a where should lead me? Where do I need to go? But we need to get up and go and believe God to lead us and to open the right door for us, right? And so we need to be believers, saying, Lord, I believe you can meet my need. You can see me through this. You can provide for me. You can give me victory. And if we believe. Today, Jesus says, I'll be with you. We'll have victory. We want to come around the table of the Lord this evening.